when you buy a little bit of extra supplies just to make sure you're going to make it through that storm, that is preparing. But when you build the bunker, maybe that's when you might be going further down the road. Welcome to The Chill Factory, where we make work, school, relationships, and life less stressful. I'm Jordan Friedman. For more than 25 years now, I've been helping people reduce their stress and anxiety, mostly in companies, schools, and through the media. But until recently, I've never heard so many talk about how stressed and anxious they are all the time. Maybe you're shaking your head in agreement. They've described it as a constant current of stress and worry, an undertow that's pulling them in and down. And in one case, someone likened it to that sound from the movie Jaws, that signals the shark is circling for the attack. Then, a couple of weeks ago, survey results from the American Psychological Association put numbers to these worries. Listen to this. Between 60 and 80% of those living in the United States say they're really stressed about inflation, crime, and politics, with 76% saying the current state of the nation is a significant source of stress. In fact, 38% are so stressed by current events, they're considering leaving the country, according to this APA survey. And perhaps the most jaw-dropping of the findings is that 27% of those surveyed said they're so stressed on most days, they can't function. This constant state of alarm that most of us find ourselves in, it's bad for health and happiness. It's bad for focus and productivity. It's bad for relationships and sleep. Most importantly, it's unsustainable. And despite huge majorities feeling this way, and not just in the U.S., there hasn't been enough discussion on how to cope with current events. And it's why I've invited Amanda Baden back to the Chill Factory to give us some ways we might deal or not deal with this non-stop parade of challenges. Amanda is a clinical psychologist in New York City and a professor in the graduate counseling program at Montclair State University. She focuses her research and practice on transracial adoption and is on many boards, including the New York State Board of Psychology and Creating Families. After the conversation, be sure to join me in the break room for Serenity Now, a Frank Costanza-inspired relaxer so needed during these stressful times. One of the data points that we're seeing is that with these current stressors, inflation, crime, politics, the future of the country, the environment, that people feel they don't have any control over what's happening or what will happen in the future. And there are a lot of situations in life, of course, when we don't feel in control. So are there any ways that we can feel more in control, ways that we can address that particular feeling that is uh, very unsettling? It's a great question, Jordan. What you're describing here, the powerlessness or the feeling that you can't change things, those feelings are probably in some ways an exaggeration. We always have choices. They may not be the choices we want, There may be choices that we wish we had that we don't have access to, but it helps us if we don't feel victimized by all this stress that's coming in and this inability 
to um, control things. So what I mean by that is when we feel like when we have no agency and no choice, it does make it harder. Now, certainly nobody is happy about inflation or about the dissent going on politically, just the pandemic, all of those things. People aren't happy about that. And it's true that they can't control those things, but they can control how they deal with those things. And so one of the things that we know people will sometimes do is panic. And that kind of reaction to stress and to not being in control is very counterproductive. And it doesn't help you control things anymore. It just actually makes you feel more stressed and more out of control. The other things you have choices around are how much you want to focus on or think about some of these things. Now, I recognize that people have various levels of resources. Some people have more protections that allow them to feel less stressed about some of these things because they don't feel like they're in as much danger. And a lot of people do feel a a pretty constant state of danger. Some of it's about safety, personal safety. Some of it's just worry. And um, one of the things that I talked with some of the people I work with about is how that that role of worry that they, they use as their, that's their chosen technique to handle stress is worry and anxiety. And so I really encourage them to work on managing that anxiety because it actually makes everything harder. I'm not sure if I fully answered your question, but... It's a big question. (laughs) No, you really said some important things there to to think about. Sometimes our go-to techniques when we feel out of control and worried are not necessarily the best things to use, and they end up making us more stressed. But yet they're the things we go to all of the time, so we switch right into that gear. I want to ask you also, Amanda, about uncertainty about the future. Um, That's also very much a part of this. We're not quite sure where the economy's going. We're not quite sure if a pandemic's going to come along again. We don't really know politically where things are going. So I'm wondering if there's if there's a specific way to to think about and and live with uncertainty. I actually think we always are living with uncertainty because we can't control the future. And we can't control what things happen to us. When I think about these things, I think about how we get to choose whether we're going to focus on the the problems or not. We can sometimes have a tendency to be a bit more cynical, a bit more pessimistic about the future. And that can come with things like depression and anxiety that we that we're feeling because of all these things that are happening. The different issues, the stressors that you were naming can lead people to feel more depressed and more anxious and therefore have more cynicism about what's going to happen. And so one of the things that I would really recommend is to to sort of make sure that you are checking in with yourself and seeing, am I feeling depressed? Is, is my depression related to these things? How is my anxiety a factor here? You know, I've worked with folks who have a good deal of anxiety, and sometimes people don't like to let go of it. You wonder, why would someone want something that seems so debilitating? But it is 
a, it's almost habit that we sometimes sometimes people have where they have always coped with things a certain way and that's comfortable to them even though they're still really uncomfortable so it means if you're going to change the way you're going to respond to these things that does mean you're going to feel uncomfortable and i've probably said this on your show before but when we feel uncomfortable we are often growing and that's how we know we're growing we're pushing ourselves to do something different you know all of these stressors some of them really big are in the air and in our lives at the same time that we have to live our lives at the same time that we have to work and go to school and take care of our families and earn money and do all of the regular uh, things that we do every day. Are there healthy ways to integrate what's going on in the world and our worry about those things and sometimes our constant worry? There's not a single way the way people will handle all of these things, but I would say that there's a lot of times when, when folks have to prioritize what's important for them and recognize when things they're, they're doing or experiencing or, or um, even how they're responding to all of those things can be creating additional stress that's unnecessary. When we have some efficacy, when we feel like we might be able to change a little bit of a few things, then that can sometimes help us with that worry. So sometimes it means trying to figure out how you can become engaged. So those people who deal with worry by just sitting and catastrophizing, it's probably a lot harder than those people who decide, I'm going to become active and I'm going to come and try and um, join a group or... um, write letters to Congress or do something that will make me feel like I'm having some impact. Those things are are some ways that we can do that. Now, certainly people don't always have time to do those things, but you can do things in small ways like um, talking to colleagues and trying to help them see another perspective and trying to hope that things are going to... um, and, and figuring out ways that you can get other support. Like some people get a lot of support from their religious beliefs. Some people get it by even just exercising or being with friends. And so I, I'd say that one thing to do is to to be with people, to figure out ways to support each other, um, but also to try and figure out a way that you can feel like you're, help, you're making some change. And that can mean both in your own life, making change, and then trying to work towards bigger change. I know people will join phone trees or, you know, do things where they can try and push for the positives that they want to see happen. I'm glad you said all of those things. And I'm sure you would agree that sometimes it feels really hard to do those things, especially if you're despairing. Sometimes I feel, and I've talked to people who feel that it's like, rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, exercising or deep breathing or even getting involved politically or writing letters, none of that is bad. But in the scheme of things, with all of these big issues at our front door, it doesn't feel like it's enough or in the end that it will really do anything. That's a great point, Jordan. I mean, what you're really talking about is that feeling of hopelessness. 
which we know is really tied with feeling depressed. And sometimes we may tend to surround ourselves with like-minded people. And we may actually, as a, as a group, start to worry more. And while you can feel the support of other like-minded people who validate your concerns, sometimes it can make it harder because you're all feeling that despair. We have to distinguish between worry or concern and depression and anxiety. And so if there, if there really is that despair and hopelessness, then it probably means you need to uh, take some other steps, perhaps get some therapy, maybe even consider taking medication if, you've, if you're already in therapy. And other things can be to maybe try and limit the amount of news because this 24-hour news cycle and the fact that we can get it always, not even when we're watching TV, but in the phone that we carry around with us all the time, we're always getting that news too. And so if we limit, limit some of that exposure, while it won't make all the things happening go away, but there are certainly some ways you can learn about those things without um, feeling like the world is ending. I hear everything you're saying, and I wonder if it can be at all productive to think about the eventualities or potential eventualities of what we're concerned about. So an election will go in one direction and these people will do these things or crime will go in this direction or we'll dive into a recession. Is it helpful to imagine those possibilities and have some plans, even if they're a bit sketchy, but to have some plans of how we'll react? It's a good question, Jordan. I mean, in a way, you're talking about preparing ourselves for the worst case scenarios, even a likely scenario sometimes. You know, a recession is probably going to happen at some point, but you and I have both lived through recessions in the past. These things are cyclical. I think there's preparing and saying, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to start saving money so that I'm, so I have a cushion. That makes perfect sense, right? Or if something happens politically, you know, there's people who are making plans about how they'll stay safe. I think it makes sense if you're able to feel like you can make some of those plans without becoming almost paranoid or catastrophizing what's going to happen. When you buy a little bit of extra supplies just to make sure you're going to make it through that storm, that is preparing. But when you build the bunker, maybe that's when you might be going further down the road. I've worked with people who have so much fear they can become almost immobilized because they're wanting to ensure their safety. And they are looking for ways to guarantee it. And I think then that ends up creating such a fear response that they aren't able to really live. I think sometimes folks think that if they worry about it, and I've heard this a lot of times, if they worry, then at least they'll be prepared for what's going to happen. Because if they don't worry and aren't anxious, then maybe they won't be prepared. There's no way you can be prepared for every eventuality. I know that for me, personally, I learned I had to turn off the news sometimes. There were too many things that 
we were hearing constantly that could make you feel like this is happening everywhere all the time. And then you become more fearful and then you become more limited in what you do. And then you become more insular and isolated. And then that can lead to more depression and anxiety. A very good reminder. And to pick up on something you mentioned earlier, it's also important to keep doing the things that you usually do to reduce your stress. The things that aren't going to change the world or stop some of the things you're really concerned about, but the exercise and the meditation and the socializing and the laughing, because that keeps our foundations from cracking. And Mm -hmm. we need solid foundations to be able to withstand all of these uh, stressors that are coming along and the ones we don't necessarily know about, (laughs) which may come along uh, in the future. Amanda Baden, it's really great to talk with you about these things because, listen, I'll be honest, I'm asking these questions based on, yes, what I'm reading that lots of people are concerned about. I'm concerned about them too. So thank you because I also uh, found what you said helpful and i hope you'll come back again to the chill factory in better times for sure i sure hope so and thank you so much jordan i'm glad it was helpful you know i wish i had a magic elixir for everybody to make this all better but i think that you know we start with our faith in ourselves and faith in other people and it helps Amanda Baden is a clinical psychologist in New York City, and I highly recommend listening to episode two of The Chill Factory called You Voted for Who? Amanda guested on that episode as well, and she provided lots of ways to deal with family members and friends and others with whom you disagree politically and otherwise. You may also find episode 15 helpful. It's called Breaking New Stress, and it expands upon some of what I talked about with Amanda today. Remember Frank Costanza, high-strung father of George Costanza on Seinfeld and played by actor Jerry Stiller? During the series, he introduced a relaxation technique called Serenity Now, which he used to yell every time he said it. Well, I also have a technique called Serenity Now, and it focuses on the number of times we inhale and exhale each minute. Most of us inhale and exhale about 10 to 12 times every 60 seconds. Studies find that breathing at about half that rate increases relaxation. This 5 to 6 breaths per minute exercise can spark inner peace and overall stress and anxiety relief when practiced on a regular basis. First, use a clock or stopwatch and count the number of regular inhalation and exhalation sets you do in a minute. Then, using the timepiece, work toward five to six sets of inhales and exhales in a minute. For deeper peace while using Serenity Now, inhale through your nose and exhale as if you were blowing through a straw. And then gradually decrease the length of your inhalations while lengthening your exhalations. I know you can't see me, so here's what a couple of sets of Serenity Now breathing sound like. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. 
exhale. We'll put these directions in the show notes. And the breather feature in the Chill Factory app is a great audio guide for this Serenity Now technique. It's quitting time for this episode of The Chill Factory. I'm Jordan Friedman. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to follow The Chill Factory wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when new episodes are available. And there's always more at thechillfactory.net. And as actor Robert Downey Jr. said, I've noticed that worrying is like praying for what you don't want to happen.